14, verses 3 and 4. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table. A woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? Please be seated. If you would, attendance cards uh, to the inside aisle and they'll be picked up at this time. Appreciate that so very much. Now, I only try to embarrass new Christians just one time and one time only. Uh, Friday, it was my joy to be able to baptize William Crete into our Lord. Uh, I don't know where William is sitting right now. Okay, uh, okay, uh, if you would, uh, William, would you please stand up for just a moment? There he is right there, and he's in the back there, uh, close to Don. And William, welcome to the family. We are so glad that you are part of our Christian family now. This is a day, this is a day that we've been looking forward to for over a year. A day that we could come back together as a Christian family. That we could come back together and worship together again. Because to us as Christians, worship is very, very special. And the world... <laughs> Well, the world just really doesn't understand it. Uh, often the world sees worship as a, just a boring church service, which has no relevance uh, to life whatsoever, but true worship. True worship is nothing like that at all. This morning, let's look at the story of a woman who gave to Jesus true worship. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman, a woman. We know this to be Mary from one of the other gospel accounts of this story. A woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. This is Mary of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Then she broke the flask and, and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why? Why has this, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her how sharply. They criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done what a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and wherever you wish you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, Wherever, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be also told as a memorial to her. 
when everyone else is criticizing this woman, Jesus heaps on her praise. Because of what? Because of her worship of Him. Because of her lavish expression of love. And as such, she shows us what true worship is really all about. You see, if we truly love Jesus like this woman loved Jesus, then we will love Him how? Notice, with extravagance. We'll go beyond. We'll go overboard in our expression of love. We will go beyond just the ordinary. We will overdo to the point that some people would say it's extreme. That's how this woman here, Mary, loved Jesus. As I said, by looking at John chapter 12, we know this to be Mary, uh, the sister of uh, Martha and Lazarus. One time before, Jesus was in their home dining. And Martha is in the kitchen getting the meal ready. And, and where's Mary? Oh, Mary's in there uh, listening to Jesus. And, and Martha doesn't like that. She gets upset that, that she's having to do all the work and, and Mary's not helping her. So she goes and demands that Jesus tells her, rebukes her for not helping. You know, I suppose Martha, I suppose Martha thought that Mary was just wasting her time here. The disciples of Jesus are criticizing Mary for what? Wasting her money. It seems that wherever we meet Mary in the Scriptures, she's wasting something. It's either her time or her money. But Jesus praises such waste when it's lavished on Him. To Martha, Jesus said, Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. To his disciples, Jesus said, She has done a good work for me. Mary loved Jesus with extravagance. The perfume that she poured on the head of Jesus is not some uh, perfume she bought down in the corner uh, market. Oh, no. This was a very rare perfume. It was pure nard derived from a very rare plant that grew in the mountains of the Himalayas in India. Today, if you were to buy that, today that pure nard retails for $550 for one ounce. They would have things like this for emergencies, for a retirement down the road, for a need. It's not the kind of perfume that you would ever really use. You would save it back for financial need. Yet Mary breaks the jar and pours it all over Jesus' head. It's an extravagance to the max. But that's what Jesus loves in our worship. Jesus loves Him, loves us. Loves it when we love him that way with extravagance. I believe this event, I believe this event has been preserved to teach one major message. 
There are certain times when extravagance is appropriate. In our day of emphasis on high-tech calculations and finely tuned budgets with persistent reminders of cost and restraint and propriety, never being guilty of doing anything outside the bounds of the ordinary, anything beyond the basics can be misconstrued as excess. If you buy into that ever-present Spartan philosophy, then everything you build will be functional, ordinary, and just basic. Everything you purchase will be at the lowest cost. Everything you do will be just average. On the basis of this magnificent story, I feel there are times when extravagant gifts of worship are not only appropriate, but they are also occasionally essential for us to go beyond the ordinary and really pour out our love for the Lord. Children understand this. Children, they get excited to worship God. You know, you can see it on their faces. You know, they are excited to worship God. And sometimes maybe we are not so much like them, unfortunately. The problem is too many of us are content We're content to get by with as little as we can. This is a picture of the Apollo 1 team of 1967. At a press conference, they were asked, how do you feel about going up? This is uh, Gus Grisham, this is Ed White, and Roger Chaffee. One of those astronauts answered that question like this. It really makes you think twice when you realize that everything in this whole project was constructed by the company submitting the lowest bid. If you are a history buff, you know what happened. On a launch rehearsal, fire broke out in their cabin and all three astronauts died in the flames. Lowest bid. Lowest bid. That's the way a lot of people in the world live their lives. According to the lowest bid, and sadly, that's how too many love our Lord. Dear friends, especially when it comes to worship, don't go for the lowest bid. Instead, go way beyond the ordinary when it comes to showing Jesus how much we love Him. Loving with extravagance. Give your all to Him. Give to the point where others may consider it a waste. For if we absolutely love the Lord, we will love Him with extravagance. More than that, we will love Him expensively. Expensively. We will love Him at great cost to ourselves. We will gladly pay a high price to show our love for Jesus. And I'm not just talking financially, oh no. Often time, time is valued even more than money. Here, here, Mary, Mary gives expensively of her time and her money. The cost of her act of love was 300 denarii. What's 300 denarii? That's approximately one year's wages. 
Think about what you make in one year and pouring it out in love to Jesus. That's what Mary is doing right here. Her act of worship cost her a lot of time in doing it and also cost her a whole lot of money. But she willingly and gladly gave it away. Why? Because she loved Jesus so much. And we will do the very same if we love Jesus like she did. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, King David wants to purchase the threshing floor above his palace to use it as a place of worship of God. The owner of that threshing floor says, well, King David, just take it. Just take it. In fact, I'll give you some oxen and some wood to, to make the appropriate offering. King David refused. Here's what he said. No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. In David's mind, it wasn't real worship. If it didn't cost him anything. It wasn't real worship. True worship always cost us something. If it doesn't, it isn't real worship. It may be a religious ritual, that's true, but it's not a true expression of our love for the Lord. For God so loved the world. Take the, that word world out, put your name in there. For God so loved Michael. For God so loved Clayton. For God so loved Tom that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and did what? Gave Himself for her. Romans 5. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave His life for us. We can't help but love Him for the way He loved us. But I wonder, look at my question. How much, how much has our love for Him cost us? Do we truly understand? A very worldly woman, people would describe her as a very sinful woman, became a Christian. She understood what all this meant. Here's a quote from her. I quote, if I was saved by my good works, then there would be a limit to what God could ask of me or put me through. I would be like a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty, and now I would deserve a certain quality of life. But if I'm a sinner, and she was, she acknowledged that. If I'm a sinner saved by grace, then there's nothing Jesus cannot ask 
of me. She understood the dynamic of grace and gratitude. If when you have lost all fear of punishment, you also lose all incentive to live a good, unselfish life, then the only incentive you ever had to live a decent life was fear. This woman could see immediately that the wonderful, beyond belief teaching of salvation by sheer grace had an edge to it. She knew that if she was a sinner saved by grace, she was, if anything, more subject to the sovereign lordship of God. She knew that if Jesus really had done all this for her, she would not be her own. She would joyfully, gratefully belong to Jesus who provided all this for her at infinite cost to Himself. You see, when we utterly understand how much Christ loves us, we can't help but love Him for the way He loved us. But such love always costs. The songwriter Isaac Watts in the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, put it this way. Love so amazing, so divine, demands demands my soul, my life, my all. Now, it's not because Jesus' love for us forces us, no. His love is free. We have to choose to obey or deny. Rather, our love for Jesus demands it. We give our all, not because we have to. We give our all because we want to, out of our love for Him in response in response to His love for us. Got a question for you. Do we really love Jesus? Do we really love Jesus? Then is it enough just to give Him an hour only on Sunday morning? Does that really cost us anything? Out of the 168 hours we have each week, Furthermore, do we really love Jesus? Then is it enough for us just to put a few dollars in the offering plate each week? Does that really cost us anything? Do we really miss the money anyway? Remember the widow in Mark 12? We've already looked at that story in this series. The widow who gave just two exceedingly small coins, but Jesus says she gave all. If we love Jesus, we will love Him. With what? Extravagance. If we love Him, we'll love Him how? Expensively. We'll give our all to Him, our time, our effort, even, yes, even our money. And finally, if we love Jesus, we will love Him openly. We will love Him without shame in front of everyone else. That's how... That's how Mary loved Jesus. The normal custom for women in her day was to serve the men at the table and then back away to eat in another room. But Mary steps right into that room with all those men. Mary opened herself up to public ridicule and criticism. Remember, they criticized her how? It says, sharply. They gave her both barrels. 
But that didn't matter to her. She was willing to risk the public ridicule, the shame, because she loved Jesus so much. How much do we love Jesus? How much do we love Him? And we will do the same if we love Jesus as much as Mary did. We will open ourselves up to such criticism to show our love for the Lord. Criticism. Criticism. You know, people will criticize. Here's what Teddy Roosevelt said about criticism. It's not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds might have done better. The credit belongs to the man or the woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the greatest enthusiasm, the greatest devotion, and spends himself in a worthy cause. Who, if he fails at least fails when daring greatly, that his place shall never be with those who cold and timid souls, who know neither victory nor defeat. In Jesus' day, those cold and timid souls were the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they were the critics who knew neither victory nor defeat, but chief among them was Judas, one of his own disciples. From John 12, we find that it was Judas who initiated the criticism against Mary. And here in Mark chapter 14, Mary's lavish love is set against the backdrop of Judas' betrayal. Notice how Mark sets us up. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 14. After two days it was a Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes, they sought how they might take him, how? By trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, let there be an uproar of the people. They feared the people. And then here comes Judas. After telling us about what Mary did, Mark reminds us. Verse 10, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, well, this was magic to their ears. They were glad. They were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Let's contrast Mary and Joseph. Mary loved her Lord publicly, openly. Judas betrayed Jesus privately, secretly. Mary loved her Lord expensively, more than a year's wages. Judas sold his Lord cheaply for the price of a slave. Mary was criticized for her devotion. They criticized her sharply. Judas was praised for his deceit. They were glad and promised to give him money. At first... 
At first, it seems that Judas got a better deal. You know, Mary's out a whole year's wages and Judas has money in his pocket. But we know better, don't we? Here, Mary is accused of wasting money, verse 4. But Jesus calls Judas, what? In John 17, the son of perdition. That word literally means the son of waste. The same word used here in Mark 14 about Mary. Judas accuses Mary of wasting her money, but Judas himself wastes his life. He ends up hanging himself. Please, don't you do the same thing. Please, don't waste your life in secret, cheap acts designed to get the praise of people. Instead, give it all away in exposed, expensive, extravagant acts of devotion to our Lord because that's what real worship, true worship, is all about. Isaac Walks, that song in our song books. We're the whole realm of nature mine. That we're present far too small. Love, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I could not phrase it any better than that. This morning, are you a Christian? I invite you to do the very same thing that William did right here Friday at 5 o'clock to believe in Him, to repent, to confess, to be baptized. The simple commands of Jesus Himself. For most of us, we've already done that. Praise be to God. But if we we are not living for Jesus 24-7, if we're not loving Him, worshiping Him with true worship, if we're making Jesus second priority instead of first priority, do we need to seek forgiveness? Do you need to seek forgiveness? God will forgive, 1 John 1, 9. The church stands ready to pray with you and for you, James 5, 16. We'll have two elders down here waiting for you. John has selected a song here that will hopefully encourage you to make that decision. Notice the words of this song. Please notice the words of this song. Please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Will I serve?